Who loved lockdown? Who went stir crazy? Like, I love it. It's a time where we just get back to refresh and just reset. And uh, no, I don't love it. But it's okay. It's good. We're here. And so tonight I want to share just for a short moment in time. And uh, we're going through the theme of rule and reign. As Christians, we are called to rule and reign in our sphere of influence. We are called to rule and reign uh, spiritually, naturally, physically. We are called to be above and not beneath. Have you read your Bible? Above and not beneath. We are called, you know, to really be the head and not the tail. We are called to be citizens of heaven. And when you're a citizen of heaven, we're called to be ambassadors here on earth. And in turn, what are we here to do? Share the good news. We have a mission. We have a purpose. You and I are called to rule and reign. You you and I are called to create culture, not react to culture. We are called to create culture, not react to culture. Why? Because we have the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because we know where we're going to be and we know whose we are. We are called to rule and reign, each and every one of us. You know, I look throughout our history as a nation, and I mention this time and time again, and the reason why is because sometimes this isn't taught in schools. This isn't really common knowledge, but the first charities that were ever established here in our great nation were established by either a church or a Christian. In other words, it was established by someone who had faith, by someone who said, you know what, right now, the culture of the day It's not acceptable that people need help. We're going to do something about it. That's what the church is about. We're about bringing heaven to earth. We're about creating culture, not reacting to culture. Do you realize too that some of the first schools were started by Christians, were started by the church, the universities were started by Christians, were started by the church. Why? Because we're called to create culture, not react to culture. Do you realize that the first hospitals were started by Christians and by the church and not by the government? Go ahead. Do a Google search right now of all the hospitals in Brisbane and tell me how many have a saint in front of them. Tell me how many are affiliated with a church. We are called to create culture. We are called to be the hands and feet of Christ himself. We are called to be ambassadors of Christ. My question tonight is, is there room for God in culture? Is there room for God in culture? I would say yes. Because without God, the world implodes upon itself. Without Christians being able to stand up and declare who God is. And I'm not talking about vax or anti-vax. What I am talking about is a biblical foundation of knowing who you are in Christ so that we can be on mission for who Christ has called. Christ has called each and every one of us to be His hands and feet and to bring heaven to earth. In other words, it is there to serve those and show them God's light and love. That's what we're here to do. This is who we're here to be. And many people in this world would believe that there isn't any room for God. And you know what the sad fact about that is? 
If they say that, then what they're saying is there's no room for the church and there's no room for you and I. Last time I checked, I contribute to society. You contribute to society. We're called to influence our world for good and for God. And I want to tell you tonight is that the devil will try and distract you at every turn. He'll try and distract you at every moment. He'll try and distract you. He only has two, <laughs> he only has two things that he can do. Is he can distract you or he can intimidate you. Yeah. He'll use those two tactics time and time again. Intimidation. If he can intimidate you and I, having a voice, he wins. Yeah. If he can distract you, in other words, if he can temporally distract us with circumstances around our life, he has successfully weakened our voice. Yeah. You know, today I want to look practically at these four areas that Satan tries to intimidate and distract our lives. The first one is, is this, that the ability for us to see, our vision. If you read through Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says, if people don't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what God or He has revealed... To them, they are most blessed. Friend, today, who wants to live a blessed life? If you want to live a blessed life, then walk in the purposes of God. Walk in the purposes that God has for your life. And some people go, well, I don't know what the purpose that God has for my life. Well, what has he put in your hand? What is the gift set that he's given you? Where has he positioned you? Because I look at my own life and I go, well, how did I end here? But the reason why I ended here is because God gave me a vision and a purpose. And the vision was to see people enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, what is the purpose? Where has God placed you? You know, what I find is this, is average people anchor their vision to reality. Exceptional people anchor their reality to their vision. What is the vision that God has given you? Anchor yourself to the vision and purposes that God has for your life. Don't anchor them to the reality. Friend, life is seasonal. Things change throughout your life. But I tell you what, the vision and the purpose that God has for your life will never change. We are called to be ambassadors to Him. We are called to be the light in the darkness. We are called to declare who He is. You know, Jesus was anchored. He had a vision. He had a purpose. He was anchored to the vision of seeing humanity connect to a heavenly Father. Realize this. It wasn't nails that hung Him on a cross that kept Him to the cross. It was a vision of you and I entering into the kingdom of heaven. That's what kept Him on the cross. In the garden, he sweated, he was, ang- he was there, sweated blood and going, God, if there's another way, take this cup from it. But if not, I will do it. He had a moment, but he realized that the purpose was bigger than himself. The purpose was for all humanity to enter into the knowledge, to enter into eternal life. It was an act that covered the multitudes, but it was for the individuals. It was for you and I. 
a vision of you and me is what held him to that cross. Friend, is your vision anchored to the reality that you live in now or is it anchored to him? Is it anchored to his purposes? His vision that all would come to the knowledge of him. And unfortunately today, we get intimidated. Well, who's going to listen to me? I, I don't have much influence. I, I, I'm just a stay-at-home. I'm just a... Who would, friend, God has put you where you are for a purpose. God has put you where you are for a purpose. He is proud of you. He knows you. He loves you. He just wants you to speak. The other thing is a distraction. Is for some of us, we're not intimidated, we're just distracted. We spend too much time on our mobile phones. We spend too much time looking at how many likes and how many shares or how many... We're distracted. You know, it's like sometimes I send my kids to their room to clean their room and I've got one in particular that loves Star Wars. And honestly, who doesn't love Star Wars? I'm like, you know what? We've got to get the Millennial Falcon. You need the Millennial Falcon. Like, come on, we've got to get that thing. Because, you know, it's like... It's not for him, it's for me. But anyway, we want to get this thing. But this moment is, I go to your room and clean up. You know, an hour later, I'm like, that room should be clean. You know, when I go up there, it's like heaven on earth. There's Star Wars everywhere. There's Lego. There's distractions everywhere. Distraction from the mission. But for some of us, our life is like that as well. We get distracted from the purposes of God when something flashy comes past. We procrastinate. Friend, anchor yourself to the vision that God has for your life and go for it. Go for it. Don't get sidetracked from what God has called you. What is the vision that you have for your marriage? What vision do you have for your marriage? If you're married here, if you're about to get married, what is the vision that you've got for your marriage? The vision for your family. How is your family going to look? How are you going to raise your young ones? Are they going to be raised in, in the house of God? What is the vision that you have? What is the vision that you have for your friendship groups, for your community, for your workplace? What is the vision that God has given you? Anchor yourself to the vision. Anchor yourself to, well, I, I don't know what I'm doing. That's okay. No one else knows what they're doing. Let's be honest right now. You could ask the person next to you and go, how's life going for you? I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing well, though. That's what I've learned. Is that God gives you a vision, just go for it. There's no right or wrong way, but just as long as we're moving. And if you're moving in the wrong direction and you keep failing over and over again, change the direction. Just a hint right there. Some of us take a little bit longer. The second thing is if the devil can intimidate us and distract us, he wants to distract us on our revelation of hearing who God is or hearing the voice of God. We need to have the ability to listen. Proverbs 1 verse 5, A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will obtain wise counsel. You know, when you stop spending time meditating and listening to God's word, we fall away from the vision he has placed in our heart. 
if you want to fall away from God and the vision and purposes that he has, then stop listening to who God is. Stop listening to his words. Stop opening his Bible. And soon you will fade away. You know what I find in life, and, and I, I, I love this moment because, you know, a baby knows its parents' footsteps. But even as kids grow up, I know my kids know my footsteps. When I walk past their room and they're supposed to be asleep, they know it's dad. And they call out, hey, dad. I'm like, you're supposed to be asleep. <laughs> hey, dad, oh, mum. They, they know. Hey, what is it with kids? They just know. But it's the same with us. We should know the footsteps of our heavenly father is that if you was to walk down the corridor and you're in bed with your eyes closed, you should be able to know the footsteps of your heavenly father that is walking past that you could just call out his name. I remember a time where Carolina was away and I was single dadding it with two young girls at the time. And I remember our second oldest was nine months of age and she got sick. And it's perfect timing. Mum goes away, she gets sick. She's nine months old. And you can't do much for a nine-month-old that's sick. And do you think like a good dad that I told mum that she was sick? No, I didn't. I wait till she got back. I think four or five days later. But I remember in that time is that I had to take her to hospital because it's like fever. It's like all these things. I take her into hospital and they're like, there's nothing we can do. She's too young. We can't give her this. We can't give her that. All you can do is just go home. And I'm like a father. I'm like, I've got two amazing daughters, single dadding it. I'm skilled. <laughs> totally skilled. And so I remember taking her home, and she would just cry and cry and cry. But the only thing that calmed her was when I put her on my chest and she could hear my heartbeat. Friend, there is something about the heartbeat of God. There is something about the heartbeat of a father. Is that when I hold her on my chest and I would lay down with her for the night, is that it would calm her, it would soothe her, and we'd finally get some sort of sleep. There's something about knowing the heartbeat of the father in that moment. Friend, can you hear the heartbeat of your father? Can you hear the heartbeat of God? Can you discern him from all the noise out in the world today? Can you hear his voice? And friend, there's a lot of noise out there today. But can you hear his voice? And tonight, if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're, you're struggling of like going, I don't know what's happening with the world. It's like it's imploding and you're starting to get anxious about what's going on. My friend today, can you lean in and hear the heart of a father? Can you hear his heartbeat? Because it's going to be okay. He's got the world in the palm of his hand. He knows what's going on. But we need to get our confidence from him. We need to lean in and hear his heartbeat. Hear his heartbeat. Can you hear his heartbeat? When you're anchored to his vision, 
when you're anchored to a vision, when you're anchored to him and you can hear his heartbeat, it's all okay. It is all okay. Can you hear his voice? Can you hear his footsteps? Can you smell him? Do you hear his call? The third thing is we need to have the ability to communicate. The devil will try and shut down your voice. The posture of your heart. Can you communicate? People will know you by your speech. They will know you by your speech. I love the story where Jesus says to Peter, hey, listen, Peter, by the end of this night, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no. Anyone else like that? No, I would never deny you, Christ. I would never deny you. I would be the first to die for you. But in the shadows, he's watching what is taking place with Jesus before he goes to the cross. He's around the fire. And if you read through the scriptures, you find the story where Peter denies Jesus three times. He denies him three times. But do you know how he's identified? Do you know how people noticed that he was a follower of Christ? It was his speech. If you look in Matthew 26, verse 73, and a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter around the fireplace, surely you also are one of them for your speech betrays you. People will know you by your speech. Your speech will betray you. Some of you have been trying to fit in with the world. You've even tried their own language. But it just doesn't come out right. It just doesn't roll off your tongue. But people can still identify you. They know that there's something different about you. Here he is. He's here and he's probably blaspheming. He's probably swearing. But all of a sudden they're, they're like, no, no, no. But your speech betrays you. We know that you're a Galilean. We know that you're a Christian. We know that you're a follower of Christ. Friend, how do you communicate? Because what's in your heart will start to come out. Your speech will identify who you are. Does your speech set you apart? Jesus put it this way. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth speaks. You know that moment where someone comes up to you and they're they're telling you a a story, but all of a sudden there's sort of a smirk or there's, you know it's not right. You know that their speech is betraying them. Friend, your speech will betray you. I pray that people will know you because of your speech. You won't have to say the Bible says this, that, and the other, but just what rolls off your tongue, people will automatically know there's something different. They'll know that you're a follower of Christ. They'll know who you are. Your speech shows the posture of your heart setting you apart. Today, do you speak words of life? Our language, your speech, Ephesians 5, verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, 
an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling aroma. Friend, that's what we're supposed to be. The same way as Jesus walked, we're called to walk. When you walk, does your, does your speech encourage hope? Is it full of fear or is it full of hope? Is it full of anxiety or is it full of faith? Is it full of joy, peace, love, the fruits of the Spirit? Friend, today, how do you communicate? What's your ability? Do you have the posture of his heart? And the last one is this. Is the devil will try and distract us and intimidate us by our ability to mobilize oneself. In other words, to be his hands and feet. Christ has called each and every one of us, followers of him, to be his hands and feet. And this is where I look at God. If I was God, I'd be like, God, why don't you just cut out the middleman? Like, he's a bit average. He just doesn't quite cut it all the time. You know, the only limitation that God ever puts upon himself is you and I. Because he loves to use you and I to bring heaven to earth. Do you realize that? Is that most miracles actually have a conductor. And that conductor is normally some sort of human being. Is normally a, a follower of Christ that has spent time in the Word, that has spent time listening to the voice of God that is anchored in vision and purpose of what God's called him to do. And he uses that person to bring a miracle to someone else. And, and some of us think, well, the miracle must be that we pray for someone and they're raised from the dead. No, no, sometimes the miracle is just that word of encouragement. Sometimes that miracle is you in your workplace just offering those, that, that little bit extra to those around you. Or sometimes it's just going across and mowing the neighbor's lawn or just being there in that place where you, know, you just listen to them. Sometimes that's the miracle that is needed in that moment, in that time. We need to have and we need to be His hands and feet. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9 verse 19 the Apostle Paul puts it this way and he says, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone. In other words, humanity, whoever, you can have your opinion, but I'm free of that. I am Christ, I am his ambassador, and I'm moving forward with my life. He says, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. In other words, I'm volunteering myself to lay down my ambitions for the cause of Christ so that I can reach a wider range of people. I need to lay down my opinions so that I can reach a wider range of people. In other words, lay down your opinions. You can still believe that. You can still have that as your core belief. But there's no point in arguing. You need to lay it down so that you can reach a wider range of people. This is what Paul's saying. He's saying here that a wider range of people, religious, non-religious, moralists, immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, 
whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world, tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I met into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message, because of the purpose, because of what God has called me to be. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on. Who wants to be in on it? Friend today, who wants to be in on it? For some of us, we can sit back, but friend, we want to be in on it. We want to see heaven come to earth. We want to see miracles take place. We want to see salvation. We want to see people receive eternal life and know their heavenly Father. In Proverbs, it talks about a wise man wins souls. Friend, when was the last time you shared the gospel? When was the last time You were there for someone else. When was the last time you won souls? When was the last time you engaged your world for Jesus? This is what we do with our hands and feet. It's more than just words. It's how we influence our world. Today, how are you influencing your world? In every area. In every area. As a church, how we influence in our community? Are we bringing life? Are we bringing hope? Because right now, this world needs hope. Without even realizing, they need hope. And there's only one person that brings hope, and that's Jesus. That's Him. That's a heavenly Father that loves us so much that He just wants to scoop us up and put us close to His heart and say, you know what, it's okay. I've got your back. No matter what you're going through, no matter what season you're in, church, we are called to unmistakably influence our world for good and for God. Do you hear His heart? Serving opens the door to share who God is. Today, let's not be intimidated or distracted from the purposes of God. This dying and sick world needs God. And we bring God to the culture. We bring God to society. We bring God to our community. We bring life, we bring hope, you and I. But first, we need to hear the heartbeat of the Father. And his heartbeat is for all humanity. No matter where all humanity are. Why? Because they're distanced from him. Because there is a greater pandemic than the one we've got right now. And that pandemic is distance from God. That pandemic is sin, that which separates humanity from their creator. And that's where the church is supposed to focus. Yes, we bring hope. Yes, we share God's love. Yes, we do food hampers. We do red frogs. We do she rescue. We do all those things. But if we don't have God in the midst of it, we do it all in vain. We do it all in vain. Today, friend, are you willing to share your faith? 
Are you willing to be someone's answer? Are you willing to anchor yourself in the vision and the mission of seeing heaven come to earth and reaching people for Jesus? You know, so I said there, reaching people for Jesus. Not for a program. Not for a charity, but for Jesus. Connecting him to the life source. The life source, which is Jesus. It's great that you've been with us today. And uh, I want to give you an invitation right now. Uh, I don't know everyone watching online, but uh, if you don't have a relationship with God right now, I want to give you an invitation to have a relationship with God. It's not about religion. Uh, It's not about rules or regulations. It's actually just about having a relationship with Him. And we believe as Christians that Jesus sent His Son, His only Son, Jesus, to die on a cross to pay a price that we could never pay, and that being sin. Sin, which is that that offends God and separates us from Him. And He pays a price that we could never pay. And we are called just to believe upon Jesus And as we believe upon him, his word says that he'll send his Holy Spirit as a guarantee to confirm confirm the relationship between him and us. And so right now, I'm going to pray. And if you want to be included in this prayer, I would ask you, right where you sit, wherever you are, maybe just to close your eyes or maybe bow your head in this moment, but just take this moment uh, just to acknowledge him. And uh, as I pray, to believe that he'll be your Lord and Savior of your life. Father God, right now, over individuals that are accepting you as Lord and Savior, I thank you that you sent your Son. But right now, we believe upon you. We believe upon your Son. And Father, right now, wherever they may be, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and intertwine their life, that that this just wouldn't be a moment decision, but it will be an eternal decision of a relationship, of being able to walk with you all the days of their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to congratulate you on that decision. If you made that for the first time or for the hundredth time, uh, just remember this, that God loves you and he always chooses you. And uh, if you made that decision, I'd love for you just to, you know, uh, pop your name into the link or contact us somehow. Uh, but one thing is find a church to be involved in. Uh, get a Bible. If you haven't got a Bible, contact us. We'll try and get you one. Uh, but also to talk to someone and pray to God. That's how we communicate with him. Uh, But until next time, we'll catch you all and uh, have a great day.